It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to episode 42 of the Redirect Podcast. It is Friday, April 13th, 2018. I'm Jason Dodge, founder of Black Truck Media and Marketing. Joined this week by Patrick and Ashley from the Black Truck team. Happy Friday, 13th. Yeah. Hey. Any superstitions? Not at all. Black cats aren't um, bad luck. You own a black cat. It's got white on it. She's got white, but, you know, black cats get a bad rap. They're... If you don't believe in ghosts, then you shouldn't believe in superstitions. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> all right. Well, now that we've uh, gotten all all uh, all of those things out, uh, let's uh, let's jump in. So, quite a bit moving. This is like I think the past, I think the past three or four uh, podcasts that we've recorded, there's been something that is what. I wouldn't call it a major shakeup. There's certainly a lot of volatility with Google testing things mm-hmm. uh, on the search side. Facebook changes, obviously, with with everything that came out of uh, um, uh, their their recent debacle. Um, big big things within uh, the Google space. Uh, we've known about it probably for maybe a week to two weeks prior as a. Um, most of Google partners, uh, Google partner agencies got early notification about um, uh, GDPR um, and, and everybody this week received notification on the public side for updates of, of GDPR and, and what GDPR is, which is the General Data Protection Regulation. Um, so this was what was voted into existence uh, by the European Union in April of 2016 does not get enforced until May of this year. That um, threatens to levy heavy fines on on those who are not in compliance. So, uh, what this comes down to is a lot of um, it has to do with a lot of privacy. And um, what's that? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> The, you know, it, it's it's a hard one because uh, the official the official news that came out. And we can link to an article. Actually, there's some links of it now that have been finally finally put out there. That uh, Google emailed you know all Google Analytics customers, AdWords customers have received it. Like I said, agency partners have received it for a while. But it's all about um, Google's approach with GDPR is is very much data retention. Um, and what they've done is is analytics has said you know, uh, you need to set your own data retention policies. Uh, Barry Schwartz over at Search Engine Roundtable actually did a really great job of breaking this down and even included some screenshots of how to go through and do some some admin controls um, for, for collecting data and things like that. But if you read through the the whole email and stuff that they sent out that Google sent out. It is, it's, it's a little bit of a mess. It's very hard to understand. We've had people reach out to us, ask us like, Hey, what does this mean? What should I do? Um, and and obviously, you know, there's also people that are saying, well, you know, I'm a, I'm just a business here in West Michigan, or I'm a business in Michigan, or I'm a business in this, in this town or city. We don't, we don't do business internationally. Well, the, 
the reminder here is that this is the World Wide Web. <laughs> this isn't the local internet. So it's a this is a global thing. And and that chances are that while you think that you don't have a lot of interactions with people in the EU, um, you you probably have done one or more uh, of the things that that could kind of run under this uh, what GDPR is. Um, so if you have online traffic with an EU resident, collected consumer identifying data at any capacity uh, of an EU resident, conducted any type of business with an EU data subject, targeted with online ads, uh, intentionally or not. Um, you know, I was even thinking today, you know, if you were a manufacturer and you can say, well, we don't, we don't deal with anybody. Well, what if the person, the, the company that you're making those parts for is headquartered in EU mm-hmm. or there's an engineer in the EU that finds you because, you know, your manufacturing facility happens to be in, in this case, let's say Grand Rapids, Michigan or, you know, Los Angeles, California, you know, and they reach out and contact you and, you know, is there is there any policy in place that says that you you know you interacted with them how are you how are you controlling data so we're clearly none of us here at black trucker are lawyers and we've already started to consult you know legal counsel on this but there's certainly areas that people can start to improve um your standings with gdpr and i think the biggest thing that we'll focus on and i'll try and be somewhat brief with it and concise is um you know regain data retention controls and that's where Barry talks about it in Google Analytics is that, you know, under your admin settings, there is now, so admin settings in Google Analytics, uh, the drop down menu where it says JS tracking info, that's typically where you go for uh, your data collection, looking for your tracking code, user ID, session settings, things like that. There's a new one in there now called data retention Mm -hmm. and you can change how far out um, the data will be retained. Uh, I think it defaults 26 months is the default. Um, so just over just over two years, you can go all the way up to 50 months or do not automatically expire. Um, I have not read any deeper into that to know what that means. Does that mean that your Google Analytics data is going to be gone and you're not going to be able to see it? No, I think what that means is that the, the data that Google holds on their servers for you or your site will will go away after that. I don't think it means that you can't look at your your analytics data. You have to put a request to get the older stuff. No, I just think it's more things like session IDs and things like mm. that, right? If you're yeah. if you're looking at things at that degree, which mm. um, we've never run we've never run into a situation where we've been running you know session IDs and things like that. But um, there's a couple of really great uh, GDPR guides. Uh, and there's a lot of discussion and people trying to kind of catch up and understand what it is. So we'll, we'll certainly try and provide those as resources and, and, and understand it. Uh, we've developed some of our own content and language on it as well and are, and are consulting again with more legal counsels on it. But um, So big things. Regain data retention controls. Review your Google Analytics settings uh, there. Um, create a proper process. You know, what's your process and protocol to handle things like GDPR compliance standards? Um, because if you don't have a process in place and something happens, something kind of sneaks up on you, you know, you could get, you could get caught on that. Uh, 
the approach here of do you have a privacy policy in place? Like even us, we're, we're very guilty of it. Like going through this as we developed a, uh, this piece, I went, oh, probably shouldn't be a hypocrite on this. And, and that, was the, that was the big call to us on, on, you know, from a legal counsel perspective is I know uh, from an internet marketing perspective, here's some of the things we need to say, but I'm running it past legal channels to make sure that that is, you know, appropriate. But it's just, you know, do you use cookies on your site? Tell people that. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you have, especially most everybody has a form. You have to inform people. Tell them the type of data that they're collecting. Whether or not they click on your privacy policy or not and check that out, put that information out there. Um, you know, um, be proactive. So start to have these conversations now. This goes into effect May, middle, end of May. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think we need to view GDPR as a huge negative to, you know, conducting commerce online. I think we all need to be smart and and really it's just more of an encouragement to be open about the data that that we're collecting uh provide individuals um that level of detail whether again whether or not they choose to click on your privacy policy our privacy policy put it out there take the steps needed to um you know conduct business in an honest fashion online so um you know, even in discussion with our our google team earlier this week and i pressed them on the issue the answer was very mm-hmm. much we can't talk to you about that so even and now that's the AdWords side, but even even Google's saying there's not there's not much we can share with you outside of the official letter that went out. So um, what do you, what's your take on that? I mean, I killed ten minutes on talking about this, but how does that you know the whole privacy issue? Uh, what's what's you guys' take on that lately? I haven't believed in privacy in about five years now. <laughs> that's a great approach. Yeah, um, I mean I. Jason, we tease about it in the office and catch some flack for how easily you brush it off. But like, yeah, we all signed that or clicked accept. Mm-hmm. When is the last time you read more than four words of a of a, those disclosures? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. Sometimes they terms of service. That yeah, sort of thing, companies yeah. will hide a lot of Easter eggs in those. Sometimes it's comical to read or hear about it after the fact. But you know, it's we indirectly knew what we were getting into when we signed up for all these services. And yeah. You know, in 2007, when we activated our Facebook account, did we know that 11 years later it would be what it is today? And it's like the second half of the internet, you know? Right. It, we signed all that a long time ago. It, we've tweaked some bells and whistles there, mm-hmm. and knobs get twisted a little bit differently over the time. But, like, I don't have a lot to hide. So it's, you know, I mean, it's, if they want my data, they've already got it. They've had my data for more than 10 years. Probably. And I, I think that's, I think you hit the nail on the head there. If people are naive to think that somebody hasn't had a hold of their data, <clears throat> uh, even pre-internet age, let's just put it that yeah. way. Um, that's, that's pretty silly thought. Now, uh, on the discussion and the topic of, you know, making people more publicly aware of the type of data that you're collecting yeah. uh, and making it a little bit easier for people to read that my approach very much is put it in your privacy policy and this is this is going to be my my big push maybe for our privacy policy too is that um make it so people can freaking understand it don't give me the legally like give me the legal jargon tell me what it means yeah i think that people would read those agreements more if you made it simple broke it down categorized it as to what it meant for you personally what it means for you and your life um, I agree with that 100%. However, 
there's a reason that legal mumbo-jumbo is in there because in order for it to hold water in the court of law, it has to be written out like that. I understand that. So making it simple still has to coincide with the long form. Layman's interpretation. Yes. Uh (laughs) Do a little line after each section. Yeah, I think if anything, everything that's happening with the Cambridge Analytica scandal is going to hopefully open people's eyes up just to like, you should probably know you know, what information you're sharing and, and who, generally, who has access to it. I think people are going to be more conscientious of that. Yeah, it's there's so much education. I mean, look at Orrin Hatch asking Zuckerberg, how do, how do you run all this when people have it for free? And, and he's like, yeah, we have things called ads. <laughs> you know, it, it's... It, that's just one example of how disconnected a lot of community members Correct. are and how they don't understand... What's really happening out there? Yeah, they can read it in the news and they can see all these fancy headlines and get all the enrangement mm-hmm. that they need, but at the end of the day, they still have no idea. You can be a, a senator right. and still have no idea how the world works. Yep. Yep. Good times. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> that reminds me, that, you know, if there are people, um, there's resources if, if you, I, I don't know if our listeners, you know, family and friends who might not understand. I know our local library actually has great resources to connect people in the community to information about accessing the internet and what that means yeah. and, and privacy. Like mm. um, the Grand Rapids Library has a class that they offer regularly on that, which I think is great. Actually, it'd be kind of interesting to sit in on that and see. Just, yeah, I mean, I if it's, it's a creepy van with hand-painted letters <laughs> on the side that says free candy... <laughs> You might not want to take the ride. You yeah, know what but I mean? like, our seniors click on that. Thing. I know. <laughs> I know. That's and and I worry about you know I worry about my kids and everything like that. But um, you know I think be honest, put the information out there, and uh, you know help help people understand. So um, we've yet to I think anybody's yet to really understand it. Um, I I tapped local uh, legal community to ask. Uh, Two reasons. One, I, I clearly I wanted to make sure that we had some steps in place to be compliant, you know, full disclosure there. The other one was I wanted to actually gauge whether or not the legal community had their head buried in the sand on this mm. subject. Or if they're actually doing their diligence and digging in and doing the research and really understanding what it can mean and what needs to happen. So mm. um, verdicts yet. To, you know, kind of out there. I don't yeah. know yet, um, but as I learn more, I'm, I will. I will certainly follow up and share it with uh, a lot of moving parts moving. out there still. And a lot parts haven't stopped moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, let's let's move on from from. <laughs> what was me? Can I jump into something? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. totally different. I hope it's more positive. <laughs> than, it's a, it's than not as protection. <laughs> yeah, it's not as um, heavy as what we're not. We're this this topic isn't subject to twenty million dollar euro fine. Um, <laughs> So I launched a new... That's, that's 24... Yeah, 24 million U.S. Million dollars. Million U.S. dollars. 20, 20 million, million euro per instance. instance, instance, instance. Um, I launched a PPC campaign this weekend, or this week, for uh, a company that manufactures um, custom a custom product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I elected to bid on a keyword that is a competitor. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty standard practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the five days that it's been running now, that competitor's keyword has been the most uh, um, 
active keyword that I'm getting impressions and clicks on. Mm -hmm. So so your basic data, your baseline data, impression click data, yeah. shows you like competitive insights are. Yeah, boom, yeah. Boom, boom. So um, that competitor is a big nationwide brand mm -hmm. compared to our local brand, and their brand name is almost synonymous with the product, kind of like uh, Bandage and Band-Aid. Mm -hmm. Kleenex, Coke, Cola. Yeah, mm -hmm. those, kind of, those kind of deals. So it's hard to avoid. Mm -hmm. um, and I did a, did a little research in, in game on, gaming on this, and it's when I'm competing on it, you know, there's a fine line. You can, you can bid on a competitor's brand name, but there's a, in my eyes, an ethical line of how you write the copy in the mm -hmm. ad. I'm not going to sure. call out the competitor in the in the ad, and I think that goes against you know for the most part general terms and services too. You really yeah. shouldn't you know. Right, right. So um, I stumbled across something about what to do when you find a competitor competing on your brand name. Oh, nice. So in this case, let's say this other brand noticed that I'm bidding on their brand. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of reverse, but you can use it in both directions. You can look at it at both sides. Mm -hmm. You know, as is me the the ad manager versus the other brand finding this. Uh, to clarify, is this, a, is this a case of what to do if they're using your brand name in their ad copy? Is that no, or, just if you're just bidding, bidding? Just straight oh, up bidding. Okay. Straight up bidding. Uh, there's obviously, you know, I can't tell what their, what their bids are. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the first step, obviously, is beat them uh, at their own game. You know, really make sure you're bidding on your brand. And I got thinking about that. And I don't know if I've ever included, in any of the PPC campaigns I've ever managed, I've never included their own brand name, even with, you know, the larger brand names. I don't think I've ever done it. Hmm. And I probably should. If they have, like, if they're a dealership that deals with sub-brands, I've done that, you know, but in, in the instance of this, like, this, this kind of product, something like this, I've not actually used I that think, brand name. And I think maybe the reasons why, too, to, to keep in mind here is that you know, uh, the the hope or the plan typically is for a lot of people is that, oh, I, I rank really well organically. Right. For my brand name. <clears throat> yeah, for why, my brand name. Why would I need to why, pay for what, my brand name? Yeah. Now, I think that, and even internal discussions at, at Google, even when I was over there the other week, I brought that up and said, you know, that's a hard, that can be a hard sell, right? That can be a hard sell as an agency to be able to say, no, we're going to bid on your name. Because they're going to say, yeah, that's an easy one, right? Like, right. Well, but picture it this way. If you go and do a search for your brand name and you don't own everything, that totally gives, to your point, the uh, opportunity to the competitor to mm -hmm. get in there. Yep. What it provides you the benefit of is the ability to direct that user exactly where you want them to go. You know, hopefully, obviously, you're... You know, your main uh, keystone, cornerstone pages are the ones that are ranking really well for your brand. But what if you have some extreme competition in there because your name's pretty generic? Yeah. Should I bid on my name and send people exactly where I want them to go? Right. Right. So it's, it's a fine line and you realize that it, it almost starts with doing the backwards research and seeing before you immediately start bidding on your own name. Search your name and see if any other competitor ads come up. Totally. How do you, uh, what's your take on, I don't think we're giving away any secret sauce here, but I think there's a lot of people that do this already, or at least savvy 
PBC marketers will. You know, we've we've talked before about how one of the best keyword tools out there is is to you know run PBC campaigns for a good period of time and mine that data, mine your search report data. Um, you know, if you can get away with it, depending on your industry, or you, and you're going to bid on if you're bidding on your competitor terms, anyways. Boy, I hope you keep that separated out enough so that you can mine that competitive search data to see what are people searching on, why are they searching about your competitor. Hmm. If you're gonna run, if you're gonna run competitive searches, yeah. you better use that data. You better be using that data because if you're paying, if you're paying for that traffic that may or may not convert, and I can tell you, it's more likely not. Like that's a conquest. I'm getting you to right. switch brands yeah. or switch from a known brand mm-hmm. in this case. Um, in this case, it's a known brand. However, <clears throat> what are the other brands? Unknown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No one knows the mm-hmm. other brand because it's like, quick, what's another brand of Band-Aid? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the interesting thing is then to do a search term report and see what people are searching for about that brand. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. On, on the traffic you're paying for. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, another suggestion is if it's legit, you file a trademark complaint. Mm-hmm. You know, if your brand name is, your product is trademarked, you have every right to go the legal route. Also to add to that, if in this case, that that company that I'm thinking of, if they sold somebody else's product, uh, like they were a dealer for a branded product, a mm-hmm. trademark branded product, and we wanted to use that trademark name in an ad, yep. Google's going to flag that. Yep. Uh, almost automatically, the, the machine's going to flag that. There is a process to get that approved. Typically, most of your major brands have there is some there is some point of contact by way of Google uh, that's like that brand manager, that brand champion, and and there's there's a chain of command to go through. But you prove that you are an authorized dealer, reseller, something like that. Um, you know the the proper the proper um, uh, certificates and things line yeah. up you can actually be authorized to use that brand name in your ads mm-hmm. and it won't get throttled and, and, and or shut down or disapproved. Mm-hmm. So, um, so on the, on the flip of that, <laughs> as the major brand, you can totally shut that down, but as a dealer or independent rep or something like that, who's authorized, yeah. you can actually go the other way and use it. Right. Yeah. Same thing with, um, certain controlled items we've run oh, that yes. before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's procedures in place for that. Yep. Just for clarification, if you're a, let's say that national brand and you notice a smaller local business bidding on your name, just bidding on your name, mm-hmm. you can take legal action. If you have a protected, if, hmm, you know, you're, you're involving a bunch of different avenues the, that way, there's other ways to go about it first, but it's, if you have a copyrighted name or a trademarked name and they're being malicious about it, Yes. The gray area really is. The only black and white answer is: Did they use your name in the ad? Mm. So if they're using a tactic like keyword insertion in the ad copy, uh. where it's like uh, such and such in West Michigan, and the only ad text that, that we write is in West Michigan, uh, keyword insertion is a couple brackets that said you know whatever you searched for, mm. and it throws in West Michigan on the end of mm. it. Well, if if you happen to um, have that brand name in your search query as the user and it pulls it in there, you know, big brand could come down on you and say, uh, 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 but you as the PPC manager have no clue that right. that's even happening right. because you're like, oh, this is, this is supposed to be a phenomenal tactic to use. But you forget that like 
that's a major brand, and that could be a no-no. That could get that could get that ad flag. Hmm. Um, you know, so really, the only black and white answer is: Did they blatantly use your brand name in the ad copy? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Right. Um, third option, which almost should come before the trademark issue I see, is reach out to competitors. The worst they can say is no. Uh, so reach out to them and be very polite and say uh, something along the lines of, hey, I noticed this is what you're doing here. This is um, our, our protected brand. And uh, it'd be really great if you guys could just go ahead and not bid on our brand name. Something along those lines. And the worst that's going to happen is they say no. The yeah. best that's going to happen is they actually say, oh, well, that actually that was kind of cool of them and they didn't throw us under the bus. Right. So we'll go ahead and remove that. Yep. I know we've got a couple clients that have gone through that process and have done that and they've gone about it uh, the way that you just described. Yeah, yeah. Um, last option I read about in here was the, uh, which is Google's favorite option because they make the most money on it, <laughs> but basically create a bidding war. Uh, go yeah. after their terms. Go at the, com- the company that's bidding on your terms start bidding on their terms hmm. and it, it's really ugly when it gets that Terrible. way and that is the last route you want to go and at the end of the day Google's just going to shrug at it because if you're increasing a your cost per clicks that's more money in Google's pockets mm-hmm. and more money you're out mm-hmm. so uh, that's not the route you want to go don't <laughs> get into a bidding war with a competitor over your keywords because next thing you know you'll see words like lawyer get $100 a click. Well, yeah, and I mean, really, if you start to see that, maybe maybe you have some bigger problems. Maybe you have some yeah. bigger problems in your industry you need, to, right. you need to get figured out versus getting into a pissing match and spending a bunch of money. Yeah. yeah. That's really great, Pat. Good info. I'm looking at you, Ashley. All right. Google tests. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. And I guess this isn't actually a test. It was something that was tested a while ago, and it appears that it may actually be rolling out for real now, um, this is featured snippet refinement bubbles. What? Yeah. So I, not realizing it, I had seen this in some searches that I've done recently, and it, it didn't. I didn't really even blink at it for some reason. I guess I'm just getting used to the different interfaces that Google has been testing with. But this would this would be if you were if you did a search like a generic search that brings up a featured snippet. Um, it will suggest in little text bubbles at the bottom of the snippet some ways to refine that search query. And mm. so um, I was oh, yeah. uh, so I was made aware of this through um, Search Engine Roundtable, um, an article shared this week from them. But um, like I said, I had seen it. And so because it's gray outside and we've been having winter weather yet again, um, I decided to test this with a search for spring flowers Mm -hmm. and so it brings up a beautiful little uh, snippet with some pictures of spring flowers from thompsonmorgan.com and a bulleted list and then at the bottom it Mm -hmm. gives the options of like um, early spring flowers purple yellow Mm. pink white perennial fragrant so you can click on one of those bubbles and then it will bring you to a new snippet on the same page um so i clicked on purple because that's my favorite color and it brought me a new snippet for purple spring flowers from bhg.com and then there's still some more refinement options there so i clicked on perennial and that brought me to 
um, perennial spring flowers from naturehills.com. So um, I just thought it was really interesting that you can navigate between different domains within Google's page. So they started testing that. If you go to Google Images, Mm. that's where that originated. So go to Google Images, do the same search, and you'll you'll see... a similar yet different interface. It's but it's a similar. We open that black play. band. It's on the lower right there. Uh, yes. So if I I'm showing you guys my screen right now, I do the oh, same search, okay. spring flowers. Mm-hmm. I get similar oh, yeah. types of yep. of refinements. What right? I was talking about is if you click into this, and you get this. These are different, technically different types of searches. Yeah, sure. Related related yeah. images, aka yeah. related searches. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're starting to pull that uh, pull that in. That's awesome. Yeah. And confusing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting, I guess, just an interesting way to help people refine their, their queries and hopefully find something closer to what they're looking for. Um, I just thought that that um, is something to think about with how Google might be refining the whole featured snippet system where eventually, based on how people interact with this, they're going to refine so that they can better answer queries Boy, next on the thing first you know, shot. we're never going to leave page one <laughs> ever for anything. <laughs> well, and I also saw some things about how they're uh, testing infinite SERPs again. So yeah. tapping more results so it all loads on right. the same page and what that might mean for um, ads. Well, does that mean we no longer, you know, I, I mean, are you going to, are you going to, I think ads, um, are ads going to refresh? Uh, there's no more, is there no more page two? So no more pagination of search results. Boy, that's a tough one. Do you one. pay for, do you bid on um, reoccurring page ads? So, you know, you pay for position one and you pay for, for position 36. Ah, well, no different, no different than to add to that. Um, no different than, you know, when you're looking at your data in AdWords and you're trying to figure out, okay, where, you know, there's the, there's the Google suggested um, pay this to be on the first page. Right. Versus top position. Right. Because just because you're on the first page does not mean that you're up top. Right. And especially uh, in a mobile environment, mm. if you're a heavy, heavy mobile user audience, you need to dominate those top spots. That's not going to do you mm-hmm. a damn bit of good, mm-hmm. right? You know? Hmm. So, and I, I do believe that that interface, have you played with that interface yet in a mobile environment? Um, I tested it in mobile and desktop. Is it is it pretty smooth in mobile? Um, yeah, I, I believe so. Actually... I, I didn't personally test it, backtracking a little bit, but the the, the article showed mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the mobile, yeah. and I tried the desktop, because I just kind of assumed it would probably be there on my mobile. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all good. Man, a lot moving around then. Yeah. Dang. Well, I think we covered a lot. Um, I'm still probably going to, I almost, I, I don't want to hold this topic any longer. I, I, I really want to share this information, but I, I should probably, I think I should probably hold it until next week. As long as it's still relevant. Oh, it's always, this one's always going to be relevant. I think this is one that, uh, that is a big one that we're, we've had a lot of discussions about, I think even in the past year, it's, it's been mentioned by a lot of other professionals and, and I think it's a really, really big thing that people should be focused on, um, um, for uh, for the future of their websites, so I'll I'll hold off on that until the next uh, the next redirect. 
I think we covered enough to uh, boggle people's minds. So. <laughs> All right. So everything from GDPR and and how are we uh, how are we presenting uh, uh, information online to uh, man? Can you, can you bid on competitors? Should you bid on competitors? What if you are being bid on by your competitors? Uh, do you report them? How do you go about that? Uh, some tips and tricks in there, hacks on maybe getting some additional insights out of your keywords, and uh, and more changes from Google with, with interfaces and keeping, again, that trend of keeping people in Google. Yep. So, all right. Well, until next time, good luck. This has been the Redirect Podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.